Good morning, ladies and gentlemen. This is Mark Molina, CEO of Molina Leadership Solutions. We are very excited today to have with us in our ongoing series of Women in Leadership, we have a return guest, Nancy Newton. She is the city manager for Springfield, Oregon. In the previous interview that she did, I read her bio and it's, it's uh, very extensive. It's a great bio. But what I wanted to do was test my recall and so I'm going to give some facts about her life and she can correct me when I'm done to see if I uh, was correct. Nancy grew up on the family on her family farm. Her favorite animals were some of the cows. Uh, we agreed that geese can be really mean. She worked in her father's store learning customer service. She learned customer service, <clears throat> excuse me, from her mother as they were very involved in their local church. <clears throat> Excuse me, and I believe her mother made blankets and did some other things to pass out to the needy. Um, she acquired her education, a bachelor's and a master's, as she worked, as she grew into her leadership positions, and as she grew as a leader. And Nancy plays the piano and sings, primarily with her husband and her dogs at home. Nancy, how did I do with all of that? Pretty well, pretty well. I, I'm keeping my day job as far as being doing any kind of musician gigs, but yeah. <laughs> was that was that fairly accurate? Did I mess anything up too much? No, nope, you did a great job as usual, Mark. Very good. Well, thank you, Nancy, uh, for joining this year-long project titled Women in Leadership. We really need to, as communities, listen to our women leaders, learn from what their experiences are, gain the wisdom, and understand better how we can participate in learning with them, learning from them, and helping them to become more effective. You came into the City of Springfield City Manager position in the midst of a global pandemic. Many things have been thrust upon you that you were not prepared for when you accepted this position. We have the pandemic, we have the shutting down of our city government as far as the physical location, we have the shutting down of our school systems. We have the shutting down, unfortunately, of much of our economy. We're now gonna be introduced to some serious budget constraints post uh, the economic challenges. We've had the, the holiday farm fire that destroyed much of our surrounding area. Due to the pandemic, you've worked tirelessly with the city of Springfield and the county to help provide relief, economic relief to business owners. Then we had the social unrest with many protests and one protest that turned violent here in Springfield that now the city of Springfield has had to contract an outside consultant to try to resolve these issues. Uh, you're trying to manage a city staff working remotely. You're a new city manager with a new assistant city manager, and you have a mayor that resigned, unfortunately, in the summer in the midst of all of this, and you're still here. You didn't give up on us. You didn't say goodbye, Springfield. There are other places in the world where things are not this crazy. So thank you for not uh, abandoning us, first of all. And how are you feeling? How are you doing this morning? I'm doing well. I, you know, I'm, I'm feeling great. It's um... We're, I think, you know, I, I feel like we have been through a lot as a city and as a nation, but, you know, we're very resilient and we just keep on keeping on. 
That's really good. I mean, it says a lot about who you are. When, As we read the bio in the first interview, growing up on the family farm, learning hard work, having to do chores, and I mean, that means getting up and milking cows and, and cleaning stalls and feeding animals and learning to care for sick animals and dealing, having the courage to deal with not-so-nice animals, um, operating with your father's business, everything you all of you did together was as a family. And farming is not easy. There's a lot of challenges, a lot of economic challenges that come along with that. So for me, knowing that about you explains to me, tells the story of who you are, why the immense amount of challenges around us, our city government, the city staff, the city leadership has not dissuaded you and has not allowed you just to pack up and leave because that's not your leadership story. That is not your personal leadership development, and that definitely is not the leadership your mother and your father and your family learned uh, to model and to give back to others. Is that fair? I think that's a fair assessment, yes. You know, before I get to any of the questions, and we did send Nancy some questions over, I'm going to ask you a question that's not on there. Can you explain to me some of the strong leadership traits of your parents that have been embedded within you that as you face the current storms in this new position that you've clung to those or remembered those? Sure. Well, I think, you know, both my parents, um, you know, they grew up in the depression. So that I think is very formative when, uh, to people, uh, when you face so much hardship and it really, um, uh, changes how you think about, um, being um, frugal, I guess, with your resources, being, you know, not being wasteful. Um, and then, of course, they, they both went, uh, my father was in World War II, um, and that war um, shaped our nation in many ways. And in some ways, I think about the pandemic we're having now, and I, I feel like we need to go to war against this virus in the same way our nation was bonded together in the war effort um, in the 30s and 40s. Um, my dad, like I said, he had his own business. He was an optometrist. Um, and I remember very clearly that, um, you know, the customer always came first. So, you know, uh, it was, I worked in my family business and um, learned a lot about that, but I didn't want to get into optometry. It was, it was interesting, but it wasn't really my, my thing. Um, I think the thing I learned from my dad is he's a very hard worker. I mean, he had he had a business and also a, a, a farm, and also we, we grew, you know, hay and alfalfa for our, our animals. And so, you know, it was it was a lot of work. I, I don't know how he did that with, with five kids, probably with the help of my mom, because my mom really kept things going on the home front and um, all of the keeping all the kids clean and uh you know, teaching us uh, how to be, be well behaved and, um, you know, a sense of responsibility that we all uh, worked on the farm and we all helped together. Um, so the thing I got from my dad was hard work and he actually retired at um, the ripe young age of 89 years old. He actually, that's when he sold his practice was when he was 89. So he doesn't really have much concept of retirement. Um, and my mom worked with him as well, well until well into her 80s. Um, and I think what I learned from my mom 
is really um, about the importance of being kind to people um, and doing your best. And I, and I think that that's, you know, when, when we look at our actions, those are the two measurements, you know, how did I treat people and did I do my best? Learning to work hard. They work together as a husband and wife, optometry business, farm, growing hay and alfalfa, teaching their children to work hard together. And you learn to be kind to people and to do your best. And I can see all of that in you from the few, <clears throat> excuse me, from the interactions that we've had and from the things that people say about you on a professional level. There is no doubt in my mind that, that those character traits that value system that you learned so many years ago as a child is alive and well and, and um, pulsating in who you are as an individual. And I really appreciate that. Now, are your parents still with us? My mom unfortunately passed in 2018. My dad is still um, doing well, um, living independently um, on the Oregon coast, so. Uh, no other way for him to live, I'm sure, huh? <laughs> Yeah, I remember my grandmother telling us stories during the Depression that for one month, one of the stories she told us, one month all they had was a bag of onions. Wow. And so for one day they would eat onions, onions raw. Uh, then one day they would eat fried onions. And then one day they would eat onion soup. And mm -hmm. they would just rotate that out until something else came along. Wow. Yeah. So, you know, I, that's... The generation that came before us, um, they learned some things the hard way. And I heard, I interviewed uh, years ago, I sp spent a lot of time speaking to World War II veterans and other people that were in the nation at that time. And they talked about the rationing, the fireside chats, all of these, yeah. that part of the American culture that birthed the nation and made it into what it was post-World War II with the, the vibrancy that it became. So here we are, it's Monday, January 25th, 2021. We're in a, a new year. We have a new presidential administration. We have a new mayor, finally. We are, we are I believe, we have uh, vaccines getting distributed on within the county. Things are starting to feel a little bit more hopeful. How long have you been on the job now as our city manager? Nine months. Nine <laughs> months. Anyway. <laughs> We had our first case of COVID in January uh, nationally, and we shut the city down in March, or we began shutting down the economy in March. Is that our, that's what you came into? Yes, when I arrived in um, on April 20th, um, most of the city hall staff had already been, um, you know, said to remote locations, at least for city hall. Now we still had our, our police and fire have been out and, and doing their jobs throughout. And I, I, I would be remiss if I failed to mention that because they've been on the front lines this, this whole entire time, as well as our operations uh, division through public works. I mean, they, they still have, you know, street maintenance and tree maintenance and all the things that go with that. You know, before I move on, very rarely when we talk about 
city infrastructure or city structure. We talk about fire and life safety and city manager's office and city council and the mayor. One of the things we don't really talk about is the operations of primarily what makes up the operations of Springfield outside of public works? So I'm trying, well, I'm, our operations division is part of our public works um, and we have it kind of divided. Um, so operations is, is, is part of that as well as our development services. And that's where people, that's where we handle the side of the house that does planning, permitting, um, that has kept going um, in, a, in a very creative way. I mean, we've had to uh, reduce the in-person counter hours to two days a week, but, but, but people are still coming in and they're still getting their permits. Um, so where you know, is, all of our planning, that type of stuff. Where does our library fall into the city infrastructure or the uh, diagram? So the library, um, they, our library director reports to me and um, I also re really want to give them a lot of credit for the creativity that they have shown throughout this entire process. I mean, they transitioned a lot of their services to an online forum. Um, they uh, allowed people to do, you know, their electronic uh, check-in, check-out, and they've done curbside service, which is not easy because the library, you know, you have to go up and down the stairs to do all the curb. I've seen our library staff with bags, you know, taking books up and down. Um, they've done story time for kids, you know, and give parents a little bit of a break while they're, you know, stuck at home with their little kids. Um, and, you know, they just really um, beefed up their, all, all of their offerings um, on, on the library side. So just amazing and creative staff there. Oh, very good. That's the life, the library. I hope that as just, as a concerned citizen that as our budget constraints began to materialize and hard decisions are made, I'm hopeful that the library will not be the first consideration to suffer. I mean, a lot of hard decisions are going to have to be made. I'm just hopeful that our library is not the first area to lose services. That being said. <laughs> Mark, let me, let me, let me just assure you of something. Um, I love libraries. Um, uh, the, although the budget is, you know, for the city manager to put together um, and it's ultimately up to the council that will make those decisions but the library is the very last place i would look to make cuts that's wonderful to hear because there's so many people reliant on our city library has become such a focal point of of uh, cultural activity for the city and for our our constituency it would just it would be such a loss uh, to to lose that so, you know, we're one year into this pandemic. How do you think the city's doing in response to the current restrictions that are forced upon us? So the city as a as an organization, I think we've done very well. I was impressed, like I said, when I got here that they had already taken the steps to um, try to keep people safe by closing city hall and getting employees the technology they needed to work remotely. Um, we have been very diligent here at, at City Hall. Um, we have some people that still come in. They're mainly uh, department, department directors. Uh, I come in, Neil comes in. Um, but really we're trying to keep people away from each other. That's that's the hardest part, right? And, and keep surfaces clean, 
um, make sure that there is appropriate prote personal protective equipment. Um, you know, I'm sitting in my office right now, but if I were to walk out of my office, I put on a mask, you know, and and we're doing that citywide. Um, we've installed some protective measures in our um, planning window. So if people come in with their permits, we have now some plexi plexiglass up there that um, helps protect our counter staff. That's critically important. And we're, we also marked out social distancing for people that want to access the, the planning window. Um, I'm proud to say, at least for the people that um, report to, to City Hall, we have had no incidents of COVID related to anything within City Hall. Um, and I, um, I know we had a couple of exposures within our fire department. Those were related to people's activities outside of work. As you've enhanced the sanitary processes there within the city, has that required additional janitorial staff to come on board? You know, no, we've, we've, we've been doing it ourselves. Um, it's, it's a lot of uh, cleanup after yourself, and we uh, procured a, a lot of um, disinfecting materials, wipes, um, sprays. Um, so, you know, I know, like, if I have somebody, it's rare if somebody comes into um, the office, but if they do, we always disinfect before and after they leave. So it's, we're kind of doing, you know, kind of like you do at home, clean up after yourself, make sure things are clean. The things we learn at home that we didn't think we need on our job, huh? Yes. And the city hasn't stopped functioning in regards to you're still hiring. You've been hiring for all kinds of positions. What are some of the things that has the city of Springfield, what have they been hiring for? We recently um, hired somebody in our um, IT division to help with um, some of our applica software applications. Probably the most, um, and this is getting really in the weeds, but one of the most important um, programs we have is called PeopleSoft that runs our finance and HR software. Um, so we hired an application um, a person for that. And uh, I'm happy to say a, a person of, of identified as a person of color. So um, in a key role in the city. Uh, we continue to recruit for, I think we, the police department is, is actually um, running lean on staff. So I think there's, there's probably a, a recruitment out there right now. And then I think we also are recruiting for the police records position. I thought that Chief Lewis had recently sworn in a few officers. Like yes, yes. And I think a couple of female officers as well in that mm -hmm. in that group. And did they find the applicants they were hoping for in their search for jail operations? You know, I would need to, uh, as far as the, I believe so. I think we, um, I, I don't check in as often on um, our hiring because especially with law enforcement, it's, it's such a process, right? You might have some good candidates that you've identified, but there's many tests that they need to go through. There's psychological testing, there's background testing. So, you know, just because we have a, a good candidate identified, you know, that sometimes they don't make it all the way through that process. And all of this is good news because that proves that our city leadership, you, your staff, your subordinates, the, the managers that answer directly to you, their staff, they're working, they're involved, they have a handle on the things that have to take place. The city's still hiring. Uh, as Operations are as normalized as they can be and everyone is still there. The city's moving forward. So the, the constituents of Springfield can rest assured 
that our city leadership is on the job and doing their job. Absolutely. We have not let the ball drop at all during the Very good. Now, what are some of the steps you've taken to make sure your responsibilities as our city manager have not fallen off at all? So I have a great executive team here of, of department directors, and we check in weekly um, to make sure um, we're on task with what needs to happen um, in city-wise. You know, there are things I do as a city manager to organize myself and my own work, right? And But then there, it's important to keep in, in contact uh, with your with the department directors and with the staff um, and keep those lines of communication open so that when, when people do have an issue that they need um, some guidance on or a decision made that I'm I'm there for them to do that. And so your executive team is that is that inclusive of all your managers or more of a subset? It's it's really the department directors and then they have managed management from there. I have participated in some of our department management team meetings as well. Um, you know, and I, and I do that kind of on an ad hoc basis. I don't do it regularly, just sort of, you know, um, and I probably should do it a little bit more now that I think about it. Um, but it's a, it's a good way that we stay engaged with each other. It's particularly critical as we're not able to, you know, have that interface personally in the workplace. Um, so that's, that's one way that I keep in contact with them. That's really good to hear. That's good to hear that you're being creative and making sure that you're getting the necessary input, uh, the thoughts, the intentions, the perspectives, and the opinions of uh, the directors under you so that you can maintain that really good collective vibrancy as, as city leadership and staff. What were some of the remedial actions you've taken to make sure that you're able to maintain communication with your managers? And this is a big question your managers, your staff, and that's that's all the people you need to talk to, city employees, and of course, your biggest job, our elected officials. How do you manage hearing from everyone and talking with everyone? It's a, it's a big job, you're right. It, you know, there's, a, you have to use a, a, a variety of communication tools. So uh, let's start with the elected officials. I mean, I, I have regular meetings um, that I have set up with them where we just check in with each other. Um, and I make sure that their concerns are being addressed, that if they have any questions, um, I can we can talk things through. Um, if I have issues that uh, that happen, um, you know, I let them know. But you know if there's if there's a pressing issue, um, I, I call them and let them know right away. Um, that's, that's, that's really important. Um, and then we, of course, you know, we have our, we're having our city council meetings, which I, I'm, I think one of the silver linings of this pandemic, if you could call it that is, uh, you know, we've had increased community participation in our meetings because people are able to access from their, from home. They don't have to find childcare. They can just do from their computer. Um, so that's increased participation in our city council meetings, which can only be a good thing. Um, as far as employees, so I have regular employee emails that go out to all city employees. And then I do, an, uh, every other week, I do a um, online inform with our employees. And I cover different topics. It just kind of depends on what's, I, basically to keep them connected and, and let them know what's going on in the city. Uh, for instance, the last inform we talked about uh, our our new 
structure in the city with our new mayor. Um, I had our interim fire chief, uh, Chris Heppel, give an update on the vaccine and where that is, what's going on with that. So it's a way for us to uh, connect to each other and for me to kind of let them know what's happening right now that they need to know. Um, those, those have been really, I think, well-received, but also important for me because I can't, there's, I can't go physically to departments to go out and, and meet with people. I mean, I, I can, but I'm, I'm being very judicious about that because, you know, we are under instructions. We're, we're still in a severe restriction uh, statewide and, and in our county. And one of those restrictions is not to gather in groups whenever possible. Um, so if I go out to a department, then, you know, typically there's a group of people that I would meet with. And so uh, I, if I'm asking people not to gather in groups, I have to model that myself. So, you know, I, I'm very careful about that. How do you communicate to your directors and their, you know, the management, the theme of check on your people, make sure they're okay. If there's an issue, what kind of remedial actions have you guys discussed or remedial steps to deal with something right away? Right. So one of the first communications I had uh, with our, my office staff here and also with the department um, directors is, uh, talking about self-care. Um, some people, you know, don't really understand the concept of self-care or they don't think it's important or they, you know, think it's kind of a, you know, a woo-woo topic, but it's really not. It's it's important to um, take care of yourself so you can take care of other people. And that, you know, includes trying to get enough sleep, mm -hmm. um, eating right, um, getting some exercise, um, and trying to have some put some boundaries, some work-life boundaries with, whenever possible. Um, and so just letting, and, and communicating that message um, forward to employees as well. You know, I've, I've talked about self-care on the in-forums. I had a, um, a therapist from our um, employee assistance program come and, and talk to employees about how they can uh, perform self-care and she, she used the analogy of putting things into your bucket. So when, when stress comes, things fall out of the bucket, you become empty and depleted. So what are those things that fill your bucket? Is it, you know, reading? Is it spending time with your family? Is it gardening? Is it making sure you get enough rest? All of these things cumulatively help with self-care. Um, so, you know, letting people know that not only is it okay, uh, to take care of yourself, but it's important. Um, I think that there are some people that uh, deny themselves, um, you know, or they're like, oh, I'm, I'm going to gut it out. I'm going to tough it out. And, you know, that sometimes that can um, really lead to burnout. And so you have to guard against that and make sure that you're um, checking in with how are you doing and then checking in with your people, asking them, how are they doing? Mm -hmm. It's really important. Very good. I appreciate that. How are you doing and how are they doing? Let me see. Question five. What has been your, let me see. Yeah. What has been your messaging to city employees on how to stay engaged in the work at hand, you know, regardless of their area of service, it'd be easy to get distracted. I'm sure maybe get a little depressed, maybe feel so disconnected that you can't stay connected. How are you, what's your message around making sure everyone's still in the proper stream of, of participation? 
you know, it, it's, it's always a constant reminder that we are the caretakers of the city. The city and the community rely on us uh, to keep things going, to keep things moving, uh, to keep their lives in order. You know, they, they do rely on us. And, and there's a lot of responsibility with that. So just understanding that, you know, our commitment is to our community and to be good stewards of the resources that are trusted to us is first and foremost and 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 keeping that eye on customer service and and providing um what our city needs so that's that's kind of message one and then message two is you know kind of going back to what we were talking about uh, taking care of yourself so you know i've really asked our department directors to make sure that they're checking in with their staff because if they're seeing signs of of people that are maybe feeling depressed or burnt out or, you know, there's all kinds of things um, that happen, right? Because we're in a pandemic, but life goes on. So, you know, there, I've had staff members that have lost um, family members, you know, and, you know, that's, that's really difficult. I mean, who thinks about that during a global pandemic, but giving people time to uh, take some, personal time to, to grieve, even though there may not be a, a physical memorial that they go to, but, you know, really appreciating that um, things happen in people's lives. And because of this pandemic, there's already this threshold of stress that we're all experiencing. So then the everyday stressors of life just add onto that. So being aware of that. When I was in the army, Nancy, every Every year at December time, we would go through this two-week uh, class time, uh, about four hours a day, and they would all the leaders went through training on how to identify depression, how to identify someone who is suicidal, how to uh, identify factors of someone that under great financial distress, things of those, that nature. Does uh, does the city have some training program like that for you for your leaders i'm i'm trying to think if the city had done that prior i i don't know um to answer your question um i think it's more of a a constant awareness for us um we do have a very um, excellent employee assistance program that helps us navigate through those types of questions so i think that's a good um, idea for a future training is just, you know, how to, how to recognize, you know, you kind of call it mental health first aid, mm -hmm. you know, how to recognize a person in crisis. And it, I, I have gone through this type of training myself, so I know what you're talking about. And typically, if you, you do this type of training um, in the context of having interface with the public, right, because you, you, you don't know what might be presented to you, but we also need to realize that, you know, we have to recognize that in ourselves as well. What measures have you management team taken to help city employees? You've answered this, but have, the question is reads the following. What measures have you or your management team taken to help city employees navigate mental health, emotional health, and any economic challenges due to the pandemic? Now, you just mentioned the the program, the health care system available to city manager, uh, city employees. But is there anything different, like in your conversations and your emails, any forums that you've created to help keep this, uh, these conversations alive if necessary? 
Yes, and it's it's kind of more subtle, Mark. I mean, I I really feel as the city manager, I am the person that needs to set the tone for the organization. So when I communicate with employees, I always want to include a message about taking care of yourself. Even if it's just, you know, I always say, you know, take care of yourself and be safe. And I really mean that, you know, keep yourself safe, not just, you know, keep yourself safe physically during this environment, uh, you know, be aware of, of how you're feeling and what those needs are. Um, so I've done a lot of messaging around that with our employees. And I, it's a message that I have done, you know, like I said, over email, but also during our inforums. Um, one, one important component of the inforums is that I, I encourage employees to um, send in any question they want to ask. Anything that they want to talk about, I will talk about. And, you know, it, and we have great employees. They're not shy. They will, they will ask questions. And so to me, it's important to be open and, and honest and, and just really talk about issues. I, I firmly believe in, in, in communication and I don't like to sweep things under the rug. I don't think it serves any purpose and it makes it worse. So just acknowledging the fact that we are all under a lot of stress and that we all, <clears throat> excuse me, sort of need to be aware of that and 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 be kind of for lack of a better word you know kind of great be gracious to yourself you know understand that you may not be performing at your very top and and that's that's okay um you know we always want our employees to perform but let's be let's be honest there's times where you know you're depleted or you're run down you know so it's kind of like take take care of yourself so that we can sustain over the long term. Now you prior to this city manager position for Springfield, you've had some really significant positions and you've had you've worked with significant budgets and union contracts and many other things. In some of those previous places of employment, what did you learn about managing the city and staff? that you've been able to take with you, bring with you to this position that's been helpful as far as uh, the replication process? You know, it's it's different because every, every situation is different. I mean, you know, coming from larger organizations, there are a lot of things, you know, I had a lot more resources, especially on the budget side of things. So, um, you know, I, for me, it's more of, um, I'm, I'm trying to think of what, what I brought to them. I, from a larger organization, you really have to focus on um, just the, the diversity of your employees and, and really promoting that. And so that's, that's something that I carry with me that I think is, is really critical um, some people might say that, you know, that diversity is, is, you know, why are you focusing on that in Oregon? And I said, and I said, all the more reason to, because Oregon is not great on, on that level. So, um, and I think that the more we seek to understand 
different people, different cultures, different experiences, the better we are as an organization because we can relate to our community. We can offer services in a way that um, uh, are accessible to people that, um, you know, and not just accessible, just taking it that next step where people feel comfortable accessing their city government. So, you know, I would say probably my experiences with a larger organization kind of brought that mentality with me. Although to be honest, that's something that I believe in anyway, I would, I would be doing. Um, so one of the things that I recently did was have all of the city employees go through diversity training. That was one of the first um, trainings that we went through. Uh, it was called walk a mile in their shoes. Um, and it was, it was a really good foundational program, but something that I want to do more of. Well, I appreciate you mentioning that, uh, Nancy. I appreciate your efforts into that direction within that conversation and looking forward to developing uh, a culture around diversity because there's still a lot of people that are dead set against it. They are dead set against this type of work. They are dead set against any type of... Um, particular perspective that might include terminology terminology and maybe enhancement of uh, women leaders or BIPOC leaders or or business owners whatever that might might look like and so it really makes makes me very happy to hear you say that that is your intention that is part of who you are that you've brought with you and I would agree with you that it absolutely is needful for uh, our geographical area for our city for our county we are growing we are changing and people want to know that as you said we want accessibility to our city government i want accessibility to my city government too and i want to know that you know that i'm important in this process as a as a constituent as your constituent and that you're concerned about uh, any needs that i might um, bring up and that it matters to you so thank you and i would say to the to the people that that resist that, you know, just, just think about this idea, you know, giving somebody else an opportunity isn't taking anything away from you. Mm -hmm. I would agree. I mean, I'm going to write that down. So go ahead and share, you know, it, and, and so I think that we are just better as a community, the more we are understanding of each other and, and the more we seek to understand each other. Yeah. I know I laid something kind of heavy out there, Mark. No, no, I, I really appreciate that. I had a memory the other day, um, something I've thought about in the past, but I've never, ever, ever said it out loud. <clears throat> I want to say because of what you just brought up, I think this is relevant. In 1971, when my father was at Randolph Brooks Air Force Base and he was in the hospital, this was probably, a, from what if I remember correctly, somewhere within two weeks to a month, a couple of weeks before his death. And we were on the base and my mother was, a, she was a very beautiful woman. Her and my father had seven children together. And we're, we were walking towards the hospital base and there was a, a gentleman who was a military officer, he was a Caucasian officer, and he began to whistle at my mother and make lewd comments at her. And 
we just kept walking. And afterwards, I told my mom, I'm seven years old, right? And I said, I wish daddy was here so daddy could beat him up. And she said, not unless you want your father to go to jail. Because that man is a military officer and your father could not speak up for me without serious consequences that would happen to him. So don't ever think that you can, uh, don't ever think that you could respond to someone in, that has that kind of power. And I, and I remember that sense of being seven years old and feeling helpless for myself and helpless for my mother. And my father was sick. He was in the hospital. He couldn't protect her. We couldn't protect her. And so for those that think we shouldn't be having these conversations because they live in some altered reality, it, it's, it's disturbing. So thank you. Thank you for having the courage. Thank you for having the leadership. Thank you for having the determination. And thank you for, for willing to take that area of a much needed developmental perspective on as our city manager. You're welcome. I'm, I'm really sorry about the loss of your father at such a young age. Thank you. Now, what type, if any, crisis management training became required for the city to help everyone operate through the crisis up to this point? I know there's a measure of operational readiness, uh, but how did you have to, if any, how did you expand uh, skill sets to be, be success, to successfully navigate all these, the pandemic, the economic process, the holiday farm fire, the social injustice, we've lost our mayor, uh, she had to resign for, you know, whatever. How did you manage all these ongoing crises all at once? And did you have to incorporate new trainings to help everyone gain new skill to be successful? Well, fortunately, I, the city staff had already received um, some crisis um, planning and crisis management training um, during the H1N1 um, pandemic, which, you know, that was several years ago, but it at least uh, gave the city some experience in doing um, emergency management around um, a pandemic. Um, one of the things that that we did as a city through our emergency manager and our um, executive team was put together what we called a COVID playbook. And basically it was um, an A to Z kind of guide for how do we respond to the pandemic? Um, how do we um, do staffing levels, uh, do, do maybe di different shifts? Um, we talked about the cleaning part where that's included. Um, what kind of signage do we need to have? Um, all the things that you wouldn't ordinarily think of um, that kind of come into play when you have to take the way you operate a city and pivot it very rapidly. Uh, and, and that's something that is we're, we continually work on. Uh, we, we have a meeting specific to COVID every other week with all of the executive teams. So we're always refining our planning and then um, uh, retooling what, whatever it is that we need to do based on where we are in, in the pandemic. So, uh, for example, our fire department was, uh, has been very uh, creative and resourceful. They actually had the ability to give the vaccine to their staff because they, you know, they have EMTs there and, and also some of our law enforcement partners. So um, that's been really helpful. Um, you know, it's really just been uh, 
a, a coordinated effort among myself, the executive management team, and then also our regional partners. You know, uh, we we have had a lot of discussions with our team Springfield partners. So that's the school district, um, the um, uh, sub and sub staff. Uh, Lamelaine has been great, uh, a, a wonderful partner, um, as well as um, the city of Eugene is 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 fabulous. I'm I'm consider even though I've only seen her one time in person, I the city manager of Eugene, Sarah Maderi, I I, I consider her to be a good friend and um, just a very talented leader herself. <clears throat> a question: As you, as someone in your position as a city manager, for those of us that don't really know, you gave a great explanation in your previous interview about what does a city manager do. But is there a preparation phase for you? How do you reception and with the concept of reception and integration into your position? How do they brief you on this is our emergency response team? This is our emergency response operational protocol. How did that happen for you? So over time, you know, in, in my experience in government, especially in the executive office, um, you work very closely with emergency management. Um, and so I, I don't want to get totally in the weeds in this, but um, there is an incident command structure that I am trained on and, ever, and it clearly identifies the roles that different people have in an emergency. And so it outlines, you know, who is the incident manager, um, who I'm in, in my role with the city, I am the policy uh, link in that, in that chain of people. Uh, you know, you have all kinds of um, roles that have to, you know, you have procurement, you have finance, you have uh, communications, and, and they're all very distinct. And it's very well laid out. And that's, um, there's actually a National Incident Management System, or NIMS, um, that I have been trained on. And that that started when I was in Clackamas County. So I already had familiarity with uh, the emergency management structure and the types of things that you need to do uh, when you um, have an incident happen. You know, one of the first things you have to think about is um, the emergency declaration itself. And there are a lot of things that you can do in an emergency declaration that you have to consider. Um, so, you know, that's one of the first things you do because if um, if the incident becomes significant enough, you may be entitled for federal FEMA dollars. So you have to really get on top of um, getting your elected officials together. You know, you, you can declare the emergency and then your elected officials have to ratify that. So there's a lot of, you know, Part of that is just experience, right, Mark? I mean, you know, I've been doing this gig for a bit. Um, and, you know, I, I do have um, an executive master in public administration. So, you know, so part of it was um, theoretical at school, but mostly, you know, you learn, you learn it on the job. Well, that's really important because you are a woman in leadership, and this is what this year-long project is all about. And it's invigorating for me to hear about the incident command structure. I'm the one, I for one would love to get in the weeds on that kind of conversation at a future time. But it's <laughs> wonderful. It's wonderful to hear that you have not only the educational preparation, the experiential uh, preparation, but it's good to hear that this is what 
is initiated for the city of Springfield by you and our other leaders when we have a crisis. And so for me, I'm thinking, okay, uh, right now I'm thinking when you're explaining that, okay, that whatever we're going to face, they've got it handled. They have a plan. They're ready. We're going to be okay. That's what I'm thinking when you're mentioning all of that. Yes. Okay. Very yes. Good. And every situation is different, right? So, you, you know, one of the things that you do in emergency management is you do exercises where you're basically doing a role play for different scenarios and we will be participating in an um, in an earthquake exercise coming up no oh, very good I, I hope to do some follow-up with you on that to see what we've learned and how we're doing let me see here now let's go let's pivot a little bit this is more of a question for you how did Mayor Lundberg set in resignation from, from the office post re-election, in your opinion, affect the climate of the city leadership? And how did you encourage yourself in, in that moment in time? Well, first, I want to acknowledge Mayor Lundberg and, and, and the years of dedication that she gave to our city. Uh, I don't think anybody can question her love of Springfield and and really her passion uh, around this community so it wasn't just you know the loss of our mayor it was you know a mayor that was so part so much of the fabric of this community so it was um it, we really felt it in 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 the in the city and it i think we all felt a real sense of loss um you know and it was it was a a, a really horrible incident that led to her resignation. I, I don't, I certainly don't fault her in any way. You know, I think she needed to do the, make the best decision for her and, and her family, which, you know, I, you have to take care of it. Like we've been talking, you have to take care of yourself first. Um, you know, I think that, uh, I think your second part was how do I encourage myself in that time? You know, it was almost like there was so much going on, right? You know, we we had that happen, and then you know we were in a, still had the pandemic. You know, we had the fires shortly thereafter. So it was partly it was, you know, this, the work of the city has to continue. You know, you just really have to steel yourself and say, okay, you know, this happened. That was hard, but you know, we have to go on, and we have, you know, it helps to have a really strong council that we do. Um, counselor Pichoneri stepped right up and assumed those um, duties and his colleagues um, helped him with that. And, you know, so he, I also need to recognize his, you know, that, you know, you don't expect to go in and, and do that role. And I don't think anybody really understands um, how, how much more involved a, a mayor position can be until you're actually doing it. Uh, so um, to just go in there cold is, is is commendable. So that was very helpful as well. Um, so really just in, the way I encourage myself is like, look, you know, I one of the things I know about myself is that I'm very resilient and I, I know how to keep my head and my wits about me. Um, and I think it's important to always have your focus on what needs to happen for the city. So maintaining the city services, keeping things, th keeping things calm. You know, we're, 
even though it was a um, unexpected event, we as a city will continue to operate, continue to move forward. Um, you know, yes, there was um, a time of a little gap where some of the duties of the mayor, um, some of those had to come off, but that was okay because we were, you basically get down to what are the fundamentals to keeping the city operating and, and focusing on those as well as um, keeping your um, your staff in, informed mm -hmm. and, and letting them process that. So that was kind of the part B. Well, I appreciate that. You had to steal yourself. You had to prepare yourself for what was next. You had to keep going. There was a city to run. There were operational things that needed to take place. You have a strong council. Mayor, uh, Councilor Pichonary stepped up. City staff still needed you to be the leader that you are. The, the constituents of the city still had the, the expectations were unchanged. Uh, all right, so we have a, we're, we're moving on now. I mean, we've, it, we've been several months, but we now have a newly appointed interim mayor. How does that feel for you? And does it seem like things are lifting a little bit as far as the climate in the city, maybe uh, for lack of a better term, maybe a little bit more no normalcy or predictability? How, how's it feeling? You know, it's, it's great to have Mayor uh, Van Gordon at the helm. I, I, he's very talented, um, cares very deeply for uh, our community. So I'm looking forward to working with him in this role. As far as things returning to uh, a sense of normalcy, I mean, you know, it, it's, it's, I just have to kind of laugh because it's like, what is normal now? Um, you know, as normal as things can be in the middle of a global pandemic with, you know, all of the things that are associated with that. But yes, I mean, it, things are returning um, in, in a sense, but we still have some work to do, Mark. I mean, we still need to appoint um, a counselor for Ward 1, uh, you know, and there are some other tasks that the council is, is working on. So, you know, I I think that it, it helps to have that leadership in place because, you know, he, um, uh, Mayor Van Gordon will really, um, one of the one of the things that the mayor does is he gives assignments out to their colleagues as far as okay now you're covering this issue you have this issue you know so that kind of leadership is really important um, and and the mayor one of the things uh, the duties of a mayor is to really kind of keep the council together you know and and really manage the dynamics and the relationships uh, among council members I mean I can talk to council um, and I do but it takes an elected to elected conversation sometimes to really, if you need to course correct, sometimes it's helpful to have a mayor to say, hey, you know, I think maybe you should think of this or what, you know, they, it, it's really instrumental to keeping the cohesiveness of a council to have a mayor in place. Well, thank you for that explanation as well as that observation. Cause I, until you said that, I, I didn't even consider that role of a mayor of keeping everyone I mean, I understood that the mayor, they had handed out assignments to the counselors, but just the role of keeping everyone together, the conversations focused, executing the plan of the city for the constituents, all the big decisions that have to be made. So I really appreciate that. Now, what does it look like for uh, those that will hear this that don't understand? We have Councilor Van Gordon, uh, Mayor Van Gordon, who was counselor for Ward 1. He is now the interim mayor for the next two years. What does that look like? Brief description on how filling his seat looks for now for the city. Right. So 
we have an application process. Um, there is a, it's a written application process. If you go to the city's webpage, there is a link there where um, if, if people that live in Ward 1, if you're interested in applying for that position, um, it's not a difficult application. It does require a little bit of thinking about why you would want to, like who would want to do this, you know, type of thing. Um, and so those will be uh, due to the city manager's office um, on February 1st. So we have a very quick turnaround time. Um, the council will be reviewing applications and discussing uh, um, in February with the intent of um, appointing in March. Oh, very good. Well, that's exciting. So we'll, we're, we're continuing on just like everything else. We're going to get that seat filled. The city government's going to operate uh, with the citizens, the constituents. We don't have anything to worry about as far as our city government is not dropping the ball. Our city government is not in hiding. Our city government is before us taking care of business. That is correct. Very good. Now, what did you learn about our city? This city, you're, you're new. You come to us. You're not new to Oregon. You're not new to leadership. You're not, you're not new to real burdens of leadership. You are highly experienced and highly qualified. That being said, what did you learn about our city during the social unrest? And what, what have you learned about yourself as a leader and all you've had to manage up to this point? Right. Well, you know, I think what I learned about myself is that it's really critical um, to always be authentic, to not shirk away from um, a, an, an issue just because it's difficult to talk about. Um, and I've learned that I, I, I have those qualities. I mean, that, that's sort of my personality anyway. It's better, I think, just to, just to say, this is difficult and we're gonna talk about it than to pretend an issue doesn't exist. And I think a, a true leader is a leader that recognizes that, you know, you, you don't, no person can, can be 100% great at everything or know everything. And there are some things that happen that you may not have any experience any, at, with at all. And I think our nation went through this um, with the death of George Floyd. Mm -hmm. And that was something that was a catalyst nationally. And I think what I, what I learned through that process is that you have to acknowledge the pain and um, just the fear um, and, and the different experiences that people had around that singular event um, and, and be, be real about it. Mm -hmm. uh, and because if you, if you don't, you're, you're, you're really losing an opportunity to, to show people that um, you really do care, that you want to um, learn from them and grow as a result, I think one of the most important things that um, anyone can 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 manifest in their own personality in their life is to always seek to learn, always seek to understand, always be reflective on yourself. Um, I always feel like I have something to learn. So when something um, happens, 
you know, I ask myself, what, what can I learn from this? Um, and then by extension, what can our city learn from this? What did you learn about our city? Not just, I, I want to just, not just during the social unrest, but in everything we've been facing, what have you learned about the mindset of our city and the willingness of uh, the city to come together and to, to address very difficult things? I think Springfield is not unlike the rest of the nation in a lot of these issues. Um, I think it just really runs the spectrum from, from some people that really um, are feeling uh, intensely like they want to talk about these issues and they want to share uh, their life experience around, um, you know, uh, racism and prejudice and, and, and want to, I also feel like there's just naturally just been this pent up frustration of people just wanting to, to show it like, you know, please see me, please see my experience, please acknowledge this. Um, I think there are, there are other people that um, find that fearful mm-hmm. um, because they, they may not understand and they may feel guilty um, and, and that's okay too. Um, you know, th- those are valid feelings. Um, we're all on a, on a different path in our journey. Um, and so, you know, there are some people in our community that I think, um, you know, have, have expressed some views that I would say are not conducive to, to being, um, a whole community. And so, you know, I'm choosing my words carefully, as you can kind of tell, because I, I don't want to label people and I, and I don't want to be, um, you know, uh, calling people out on, on Facebook. Uh, but I think that it's important that we recognize that, um, try to focus on the, on the good, on, on, on the, on where we can come together. Um, and we have a lot of work to do. We have a lot of work to do, but I think that said, I, I, I'm really, um, I was pleasantly surprised at, at, at some of the things that Springfield has already done, um, that have been great. I mean, uh, there's the, uh, the Springfield Alliance for Equity and Respect, or SAFER, and that group meets regularly, and um, we have a connection with them in the city. Um, we meet with them, I think it's every other month, myself, uh, the police department is involved with, with that meeting. Um, our Neil Lodotti, my amazing assistant city manager, goes to those meetings. Um, our library staff has been does a ton of community outreach. So, um, I think, you know, when I came here, I, I was impressed with the things that Springfield has already done. We have some good things that we can build upon. And I, I think the more positive things that we can bring to our community, the better. I, there's a lot of healing that needs to happen. Um, and that's going to take time. Well, I appreciate the vulnerability that you showed because these are hard conversations and we don't want to label everyone and we want to keep conversation open opportunity to have conversation open and continue to have as much as possible because of the limits that we find ourselves in to provide platform and opportunity to have these these challenging discussions and know and accept that they're going to be challenging discussions 
and that we are we might not we have to remember that getting to the end result might take some time it's going to be painful but it's something that we still have to strive towards together yeah what did you learn about the city during the the wildfires and how people responded i was completely blown away by the generosity and resiliency of the of this city um i can't say i'm i'm now i mean that was a little bit earlier on in my tenure um you know now that i've seen it i was like yeah that makes sense but it's just it was incredible uh when you saw the images of the people bringing donations uh for the fire victims and just really pitching in wherever they could um it was i was very proud of of our city and and the people and you know there we just have a lot of great partnerships um with the local agencies here and so we were doing all courts all kinds of things to you know try to help each other out you know whether it be you know one of the biggest things you need i know this sounds weird because everybody's mind goes to the people um that that are out fire, fighting the fire. And yes, that is critical and we all know that, but an, a, kind of a, another thing that you need is getting information out mm-hmm. um, and, and people that are skilled at doing that. So, you know, we um, we have city staff that helped with that effort too. And, and then there, you know, we did a lot of the, um, I talked a little bit about the FEMA reimbursement. In, um, so we were tracking expenses um, so that we can get reimbursed for our for our, our, our equipment and our people. Um, so there are a lot of things that happen um, behind the scenes in an emergency. And so I was glad that we had all of those t- things c- taken care of. Um, we may be a, a smaller staff, but very talented. And um, But the community itself was just wonderful you know, and continues to be. It was invigorating to see and to, to be able to participate with that and see the goodwill and the generous hearts and the determination of the constituency of the city to say we're gonna we're gonna help our neighbors, which was the people fleeing the holiday fire this way, and how everyone came together. So that that really was exciting. Now, what have you learned about our city during this pandemic and this economic uh, crisis? So I think I would go back to um, thinking about the small businesses. So I was, you know, I, I, I'm on the um, board of directors for the Springfield Chamber as, as our, and I know you were until a little while ago. I'll, I'll um, be on this for two more years. I'll finish my. Oh, year. great. Okay, good. Um, and so, but I guess my point is that there are a lot of small businesses in Springfield and um and I guess part of uh, navigating through this pandemic has just been learning um, how many we have, um, because we, because Springfield doesn't have a business license fee, we don't have a, a mechanism for tracking who our businesses are. Mm. Um, so we just kind of have to know that um, through be, through our uh, staff and being out there with community. So. That makes it kind of tricky. I mean, you would think, how could a business license fee be helpful? Well, that's one way because <laughs> you know who your businesses are. Um, but you know, I think that our one of the things I learned is just, again, you know, people really looked for creative ways to try to continue um, with their businesses. I know the city, uh, we continue to hand out um, 
uh, masks for, for businesses that want them. We, we still are doing that if people are interested. Um, I know uh, that like the chamber had that program for uh, small businesses to be able to learn how to sell some of their products more on an online format. So, you know, anything that we can do to help facilitate those efforts, you know, is something that I'm interested in. And then we also gave out some, some funding for small businesses. But what I learned is that our small business owners are very incredibly hardworking and right. And I, and I, sort of knew that my dad was a small business owner. I, I know the type of hard work it, that goes into operating your own business. Um, and I just really have to commend them for, for their strength and for their creativity. Um, it's been a very difficult time and I really do appreciate them. I was one of those that took the classes on taking your business online, as well as the recipients of that $500 grant that allowed me to get some of the much needed uh, expansive uh, expansion of media tools to, to do what I'm doing. So I, I for one, can attest to the, that significant program in partnership with the Springfield Area Chamber of Commerce, and I know it helped a lot of people. Yeah. How do you see, in your estimation, that your staff, your management team has grown in this time? I think they have grown in the sense that they we've had to be really creative, you know, in responding to this pandemic and in how we deliver services. I really encourage our staff to, if they have an idea, bring it forward. Let's talk about it. Um, I, I'm completely open to doing things differently, um, trying different things. Um, sometimes, you know, with when you're in government, you have to, it's funny, because, Mark, not to digress, but when I was in grad school, I actually wrote a, a paper about risk aversion and how uh, risk aversion in different organizations and how government is typically the most risk adverse of any kind of organization. And, and that makes sense in some ways because there are political implications. You're, you're also working with public money. You need to be, you know, have a healthy respect for that. But I think sometimes government is so risk adverse that they um, fail to be creative. And so that's one thing that I, I think our management team has been phenomenal at is just I want them to feel empowered to um, make the changes that they need to make to keep the city going. Um, and, and I think that they have pushed that down through their staff. In fact, I know that they have. Oh, very good. Well, that's encouraging because that's knowing that you have that uh, perspective and that you are encouraging that with your leadership and your management, it's important to know that, that you're as concerned about their development and uh, because it, it not only makes them better, it makes your staff better, it makes the team better. For who? For us, the constituents. As you said, your job, You, I, I wrote down what you said, we are the caretakers of the city. And so that's encouraging to hear that you are, you want them to be creative, you want them to be uh, mindful of what they can become so that everyone can do their jobs better. Yes, definitely. Now, what have you learned about the city's relationship with the county and their ability to work together in the times of crisis response? Well, I have a lot of respect for um, Lane County, their commissioners, their uh, Steve Mokerheiski, the uh, county administrator. I think it was a um, it was an advantage for me coming from counties because I already was familiar with the type of roles that counties play 
um, in different responses. So I was already aware of the fact that when you have um, an emergency that's involving health, so it's a public health crisis as a pandemic is, you know, a county is the public health authority. And so, you know, you really have to look to the county for direction and leadership as they interface uh, with the governor's office. I mean, that that really is how it works with, you know, otherwise you have just way too many cooks in the kitchen, so to speak, trying all trying to do the same thing and maybe not very effectively. I What I learned is that, you know, they, the county has just done a great job in um, communicating uh, with the city and, and with all of our partners. I just, um, they do a, I get a daily report on, on the, on our statistics on how are we doing in Lane County as far as um, how many cases we have, if, if there's been any new deaths, which unfortunately, you know, still is happening. But overall, as a county, you know, we are holding in and pretty well. And one of the things that I have learned um, is that, you know, we are measuring that by our hospital usage. We have not overwhelmed our hospitals, which is really important, you know, and, and knock on wood that, you know, it continues that way. And the county's just done um, an enormous job of, of having to track all of this, facilitate all of the all of the different um, elements of the pandemic itself, and then now transitioning to vaccination delivery. And mm-hmm. I think that they're well poised to to get the vaccination out. It's just a matter of getting those doses. Mm-hmm. Good. That's that's encouraging. Now now that you've learned, you've learned a lot of things about the staff that uh, it works for the city. Now you've seen <laughs> amazing, indescribable challenges as a new city manager. If you could wave a magic wand and budgetary with no budgetary limitations, what kind of training would you like to see instituted for uh, yourself, your staff, the employees? Oh, that would be so fun to have, just wave, wave a magic wand and be able to do anything. I, I, you know, I've already, I would do a lot more um, and I'm going, going to continue to do more diversity training. I think that's just absolutely critical. So critical. Um, and emotional intelligence, I think, is another area that I would want to um, focus on. Um, actually, this week, our executive team and myself and a and, and, Couple, and we actually invited some our council. So some of our council members are going to an online servant leadership conference, mm-hmm. and so I, I'm really excited about that. It's it's not you know a conference in the conventional sense, but there's two consecutive days of a three-hour block of time where we're going to be talking about servant leadership and hearing from some really great um, speakers on the topic. And we all have a book that we're reading. Um, together about it. So, you know, more things about uh, leadership, how to develop your teams. I think we need to, um, you know, there's always the nuts and bolts types of trainings that you need to do as a city that are related to HR, um, you know, local, you know, keeping any laws that change or, you know, those have to be updated, um, harassment, discrimination, family medical leave. Those are, you know, kind of the you always have to be refreshing yourself on those, but but more than that, just you know how to really um, manage performance well when with employees. I think is is an important component that sometimes can get missed. 
And I know that that's sometimes something that our um, human resources director is is looking at now. Um, so I completely support his efforts in that. Um, I like your you know your question earlier about preparedness um, on in crisis. You know, I think it would be good to have a kind of a mental health training, mm-hmm. um, and because we we continue to um, have that in our community as a need and, you know, in, 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 in people's own personal lives. So there are so many great things that we could do with trainings. Um, you know, it'd be, it would be fun to just do something purely on customer service. Mm-hmm. You know, how do you really deliver on that? Um, obviously technology would come into play. There are so many uh, different and new technologies that we're using now. I think you and I, talked about two different formats that, that for doing this meeting today, you know, are we doing this on teams? Are we doing this on zoom? Yeah. So, you know, there's some things that we're going to have to do um, technology wise uh, yeah. to train up our staff as we continue to utilize technology more in the city. Very good. In closing, Nancy, what final comments would you like to make to leaders of any position, but especially women in leadership? This is about women in leadership, this year-long project. I know some people say gender is not an issue, and that's not true. It's been an issue from the time I was a little child and I was aware of it. What would you say as words of encouragement to any leader, but especially to women in leadership who are aspiring to become more in the midst of all the things that we're facing? Don't give up. Don't give up. And what I mean by that is, you know, well, don't give up, but also, you know, continue to invest in yourself um, as a leader, especially, um, you know, if you're in the process of maybe finalizing your education, you know, really stay the course on getting the education you need um, because that's going to be critical. Um, Find a great mentor that you can work with. somebody that you can um, bounce ideas off of and that will also um, hold you accountable. Um, I ask people, I have great friends and and they don't pull any punches. They will tell me, you know, hey, Nancy, I think you need to look at this or whatever. You know, I I want to know if I'm having a blind spot around an issue, please tell me. If I'm tone deaf on something, let me know. I want to learn how to continually be better at what I do and who I am. Um, and as far as, you know, and women in leadership, I think it's it's critical that we support each other and also look for the next generation that you will um, support. So I think part, we have a responsibility to look in our organization, in our community and find those next women leaders, those next BIPOC leaders, and, and give them exposure to the things that they need to grow into these positions. Um, whether that be, you know, just going to, taking them to a meeting with you or, um, you know, giving some of your time to answer questions, you know, um, support them when they're in school. And uh, if they need, you know, somebody, somebody write a, a letter of recommendation, do that for them, you know, just be there to, help the next generation move forward. That's, that's the best way uh, to ensure that we can all lift each other up together. 
And in closing, who would you like to thank for where you're at today and how you've managed to get through as our new city manager? I know that I know that you're very experienced. I know this. I know that you're a very experienced leader, but you have had incredible crises, multiple crises on many fronts as a new city manager. You've done splendid to say the very least. Who would you like to say thank you to uh, for all the, the person you've become and how you've managed all of this? My mom. My mom up there. <laughs> um, because she just is so foundational to everything that I am. And you, you can be a good Oprah interviewer, Mark, because I'm getting a little teary. Um, you know, she she was such a great role model uh, as far as um, being a mom, being a woman, um, and really um, taught me the value of giving back to others. That 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 was probably the biggest lesson from my mom is she she was continually throughout my childhood would would you know as a kid you kind of resent like you know why do I have to to go and and uh, do this volunteer thing with our church or why do I have to go and you know uh, be a preschool teacher for for Sunday school or whatever you know you know why do I have to do all this stuff and you know but I realized that my mom was deliberately putting me in situations where I would be giving back to other people. And that's, I think, really the foundation of who I am. And, and I don't know if she was, you know, had a, a master plan in all of this. I don't know. I, I think it was, she was just living her beliefs and, and she was just so incredible. Mark, I wish you could have known her. Yeah. Well, I do. I know her in you. I can see her in you. I can see your parents in you. I can see when you said earlier in the conversation about having to have the difficult conversations, my mind went back to your parents because they were not spared. They survived the depression. They lived through the depression. Your father was a World War II veteran. They were not spared the difficult conversations, having to have them, to face them, to find answers, to find answers, to confront them. And they, through their life example, they taught you. And you have a sister and a brother. Is that correct? I have three brothers and one sister. That's right. And so I'm sure that those life lessons learned about facing the difficult things has been replicated in all of you. So I see your mother in you. I see your father in you. I see your family culture in you as we interact in, in these forums. And I, for one, appreciate you as a leader. I, I appreciate you as a woman leader. And I wanted to do this series because of, additionally, as, as mentioned, my mother, when my father died raising seven kids, working four jobs and still getting it done and still had time to be my cub, my den mother and Cub Scouts and my sister's Girl Scout leader and pick up the other poor kids in the neighborhood that couldn't get the scouts and she sewed their uniforms and sewed their patches on and did all of those things. And it was the seventies and we were poor and she was Hispanic and she was a widow and people treated her like a dog. And she was an incredible aspiring leader. And I know that gender issues are real and I'm sorry for the people that say they're not and don't want to believe them because they are. And they are as real today as they were in the 70s. So I appreciate your courage and your strength, and I know you're a byproduct of your mother, 
and your father and your family. And I remember in the previous interview, you mentioned uh, the mentors that helped you along the way. And so I can see why this point came up for you because people invested in you because of who you are. And it is critical that as leaders, we do the same for others. So I appreciate your stress point uh, to that. And, and anyone else you wanna thank besides your mother before we log off? Well, Mark, I want to thank you for, um, you know, uh, letting me talk today. And also, I, I want to thank our uh, our council, our mayor, our staff, and and our community. Um, and I just really want to encourage people to um, take care of themselves, take care of each other, um, and you know, take a moment to appreciate all of the things that we still have that are good. Very good. Ladies and gentlemen, we've had with us today in our ongoing series of Women in Leadership, Nancy Newton. She is a city manager for Springfield, Oregon. Uh, Nancy, thank you for your time. Thank you for your vulnerability. Thank you for sharing your story. Thank you for your ever-present leadership and the new changes and the new dynamics you've brought to uh, the city. Some of the city staff that I know uh, have said, She's so funny when we're on our meetings. She's such a joy to talk to. She really knows how to make you feel relaxed and bring you into the conversation. And so that's encouraging as well that you're having that kind of impact and that people are talking about it in their spheres of influence. Uh, thank you for not giving up on the city, giving up on us and staying the course with us. And we're gonna look forward to offering opportunities to interview with more of the women in leadership, women staff there at the city. But thank you for setting the tone, the example, and for being forthright in how you lead us. Thank you, Mark. Take care. Thank you. Bye-bye.